Good morning from me. Good to see you all. And uh, just good. To, God is doing more stuff in our worship. It's just, um, it's just amazing. We just we started and I thought, well, what was here last week showed up this week already. And um, the, the, I, I was really overwhelmed with a sense as we sang that song again from the Welsh Revival of 1903 uh, that that was the the theme song of that revival here is love vast as the ocean Uh, and we were singing it and he talked about he kissed the guilty world in love and I'm like wow that's what's happening right now and some of us struggle with the idea of God kissing us that's that's something that that we're quickly overcoming in this house that that, that God is, is passionate intimate celebratory and uh, he's, he's in this room. He wants to, he wants to love you. And uh, we have too much, I believe, objectified and, and made principles out of the love of God and the person of Jesus. Uh, he's, not, he's not an idea. He's actually here. Do you know what I mean? He's not, he's not a concept that we need to be careful how we describe. He's a person that we are in the process of getting to know. Um, and, it, and it looks like he wants to kiss you, even guys. Um, it, it looks like passion. It looks like celebration. It looks like joy. It looks like him connecting to you in a vibrant way that you can feel and you can hear and he can feel you and you can feel him. He's, he's a person. He's not an idea. All right? It's not an ob- and sometimes because, certainly for me, grown up with a, a high value for, for the Bible, and I, I totally still hold that, but the idea of the Bible is to introduce you to a person, not to fill you full of concepts. Uh, it, it, it's not there to fill you full of concepts so that you have a, a perfectly arranged set of ideas about who God is. It's actually there to introduce you to God. Um, it's actually there to introduce you to the person of the Lord Jesus and, and that, that he gets to touch your life and you get, it, it freaks us out because you can't always see him with your eyes but you can feel him all over you and he's a force and a being and a personality out with yourself but he's more real than the ground we stand on and when he shows up in the room that's why things like your hair, the hair on the back of your neck sticks out. And I have a lot more of that than I used to, I just noticed. Um, so maybe I'm more spiritual now because more of it stands on an end. There's, it, just, it just could be wise age. Um, my daughter's just said, you're just old, Dad. So, it's like friends can say that to you, can't you? Children, children always say it to you. Um, I remember Luke, and she's off the point now, but this is some years ago coming up to me, he said, Dad, you don't need to work on a six-pack. You already have a barrel. <laughs> That's called a relationship. So I, I just feel that, the, that the, the Lord is just breaking down our religious concepts in order to connect us to him and him to us as a person 
Okay, Jesus was a person. And, and, and I love the, 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 the Gospel of John and, and, and his letters because he talks about this, this Jesus, this is the guy that we touched, you know, we, we ate with him, we felt him. And we're still feeling him. Because he rose again from the dead. He, he's, he's more alive than he was before, actually. And so, so I, I want to encourage you, we're not... Religion is a load of ideas and principles that we just do because we believe there is a God. What he's called us into is an intimate relationship because he's alive and he's raised us up with him. And he, he's done everything needed to connect us to him with unhindered intimacy there's nothing you can bring to the party that can put him off you that's why they sang that song in the Welsh revival you listen to the words of that song and it's all about the gushing unhindered love passion of God being released on a guilty world and that's one of the most overwhelming things about the love of God is you can be sitting there feeling guilty, feeling lost, feeling stained, feeling strange, feeling estranged, and he comes on and you're like, he loves me like this. Oh, yes, he does. The resurrection released love on an imperfect world forever. We've been talking about that for several weeks now. <laughs> Jesus didn't come to judge the world. God so loved the world that he sent. And Jesus said he didn't come to judge the world, but actually to save. He saw the stained, the broken, the lost, the estranged, and he came to shower them with love. To have a personal relationship with imperfect people and bring them into a place of wholeness and joy. So we're not talking about God like he's not in the room. I'm not talking about him like he isn't here. Like, well, you know, I'm now speaking for God. You all listen to me because I know him and you don't. No, that's not how this works. He's in the room. He's in your life. He's in your heart. He's on the chair with you. He's inside you. He's over you. He's in you. He's sitting next to you. If he wasn't in, he's just all over you. And what the gospel does and, and what preaching can do and worship can do is just awaken you to the fact that he's already there and break down all the things we have in our own heart and mind that disqualify us from his presence uh, because he already did all the qualifying the worst the most lost the most damaged have immediate instant beautiful overwhelming relationship with the God who loves them if you just open your heart he's right there he is kissing you with love. His oceans of favor are pouring all over you. He doesn't have favorites. Well, he does because everybody's his favorite. Yeah. And he doesn't reward. <coughs> it isn't a reward for performance. I had a great week, so I'm going to get loved. <laughs> no, we, 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 we live from a place of enjoying his presence, not living in order to get into his presence. And so much of our language is changing, actually, that we, I think we're, we're coming to a place where what we're trying to do is describe an awakening to what's already present rather than a pressing in for something we don't already have. Um, and I'm so glad Simon sang his song 
this morning so so beautiful what it's releasing us. We're on this series, and this is number four of my series on beliefs and mindsets that change cities and nations. And and today we're talking about the power of the presence of God, and, and just he was just declaring that. And what what I, what I want us to see really today is it's important that you know and experience the presence of God in your own life, but it's also a corporate encounter. <laughs> It's a corporate experience, and that that God God God, God died. I'm really happy for you to interrupt me. Just just get wasted as I'm talking. That's just enjoy His presence. There's, I think I said a couple of weeks ago. One of the things we take seriously in this church is the thing about do not get drunk with wine, but instead is what it implies: be intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. And, and we don't put any rules on when that can and can't happen. So just, just keep going. The, 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 presence, the presence of God is the presence of God. It's not like, again, let's not disembody it. For, let's not objectify. Oh, we had a great time in the presence. That was God. It's the presence of God. It's not like some other force. It's not like the force is with you today. That's, that's disembodied. That's... The impersonal activity of a force that could manipulate you and you could manipulate, that is not God. God is a person who has a presence. So like when you, you walk into a room, you, you have a presence. You have a persona, you have a charisma, you have something that comes with you because you're you. When he walks into the room, he has something that's with him and it's awesome presence. He just oozes glory and love and and so we I'm talking about that I'm talking about the pres, the presence of him uh, it, it's it's absolutely crucial that, that we actually have a very high value and a very high belief in the potency of the presence of God and the centrality of the presence of God because, you know, it's possible to be touched by God, to be renewed by God, to be refreshed by God, and not actually change your inner set of beliefs. Your core values may not shift. So God can come, he can come and meet with you in some glorious way, and then, but if, if your internal values, core values don't change, then it's possible that you lose that sense of his presence, not because he's gone, but because you're belief system has not been changed to line up with his belief system. And that's why we get revivals rather than uh, him being present all the time. We, don't, we get visitation, actually he wants to do habitation. But the purpose of you feeling him, encountering him, is that, is that you know him, but also that that changes you so that you can walk with him like that more, and then that goes from one degree of glory to another. That actually our level of intimacy and encounter increases because our value system and our thought life is changing to agree with him more and more. And he wants to do that with a, as, as a church as well. So we have a relationship with Father, not just you have a relationship with Father. Cities, we're going to get to this in this series, cities have a relationship with God. Nations have a relationship with God. God, God, 
God looks at individuals, he looks at churches, he looks at cities, he looks at nations. They all, they all have an identity to him and he relates to them as a corporate being. And he relates to us as a church, as a corporate being. We have an identity in heaven before the throne. It's called a candlestick in Revelation. And he looks at our corporate heartbeat. Yeah? He, can, he, he can somehow can see us together. And, and you get this idea because Jesus is marrying a bride, remember that? And the bride actually is a person, but it's made up of billions of people. I don't understand that. It's a mystery, but that's how it is. So he can see you on your own, and he can see you as part of this thing called his bride, and he can see you as part of a congregation here, right here, the people of God, being with love for him. And he loves it. That's why he loves to come play with his kids. We didn't come to church to do worship, to do religious worship. We came to meet with dad and dad came to meet with his kids and Jesus came to kind of woo his bride and Holy Spirit came to make it all happen. I want to elevate in our thinking the powerful nature of the presence of God and elevate its importance to us above and beyond our initiatives, effort, human stuff. I still remember a quote, I believe is accurate, by the couple of ladies that accredited with praying in the revival that happened in the Hebrides. And they went to their minister and said, we really feel you should invite this, this minister in to speak. We really believe revival is coming. And, and the minister, I can understand this, he was saying to them, yeah, but we're doing outreach. We have a youth work. We have a... And one of the women turned to him and says, but, but minister... Have you tried God? <laughs> I've been thinking for a while about our pursuit as a, as a family of a building, which has been going on for some frustratingly long time. And I'm like, God, why don't we have a building yet? And one of the things he's been saying to me is, if you'd had a building sooner, as a lot of us would have got busy with projects we'd have had a mom and toddler we'd have had a family center we'd have had a whole load of stuff going on that we just can't do without a premises and he said I've been holding you back so that you learn what it is to host my presence in a more powerful way and then when you get a building everything you do needs to be shot through with my presence and releasing my presence because that's what it's all about and the stories we were getting out of you know, the back end of last year, which is what this series is based on, about how knife crime has changed because we worshipped, we hosted the presence. We're learning something as a community about hosting the presence to influence a city that we maybe wouldn't have learned if we were busy giving... I'm not saying any of this is wrong, we shouldn't do it, but just doing the doing. And actually when we start to do the doing, he wants us to do it in such a way that it's his presence that people get, not just a piece of bread. You know, it's his presence that they feel, not just a fun playgroup for kids. It's his presence that they encounter. That, that's right at the heart of who we are. And I want to just, in the time we have, just, just, just do a, a, a wee bit of a Bible study because I want to convince, sometimes we just need to convince ourselves of this because God's value system is different to ours. We know that in Isaiah. His thoughts are not our thoughts, yeah? 
His ways are not our ways. And one of the things we're learning together are his ways. What is it that he's doing in this, this worship? You know, we come and it's, what is it? We're learning his ways. It's good to tune in. What's he saying? What's he doing? So I want to remind us uh, and do a little bit of Bible teaching and then kind of land it and, and encourage you. So I want to remind you about the power of the presence of God. So what I'm going to do is just skip through some verses here. So in Exodus The presence of God comes onto the newly formed tabernacle, a tent in a wilderness. And the presence of God comes in and there's fire by night and a cloud by day. And uh, we can turn to it. It's in Exodus 40, 34 to 38. The cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it. Wouldn't it be good if you came to church and couldn't get in because the glory was so thick? It's like, why why haven't you gone inside? Well, we just can't. All the musicians are prostrated on the floor, and and we, we can't even see to get in the room. This is a greater covenant that we're in. The, the, glory, the glory can come. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the, the cloud of the Lord was over the tackle, tabernacle by day and the fire by night in the sight of all the house of Israel during their trouble. That's amazing. The presence of God manifest in a cloud and fire was the thing that led these people. A million people were, if you like, under the influence of the manifest presence of God, in their case, for for close on 40 years. (laughs) This presence fed them, led them, and protected them. Yeah? This was the light of their life. Their whole life was actually surround, centered, literally centered on the presence. So that the way they set up camp was so that everybody and every tribe was camped around the tabernacle looking at the presence of God all the time. Isn't that awesome? And, and then uh, this is a story later, later on. So the, the tabernacle housed this box, this holy box called the Ark of the Covenant which was where, and there was, there was two cherubim modeled on the top of it, and that's, that was the, called the mercy seat where the presence of God was the strongest and where the presence of God dwelled. So later in Israel's history, history, if they're having trouble in wars, they used to figure if we took the box with us, maybe we'll have a victory because they, they weren't doing so well in, in a lot of situations. And at, at one moment, they lost the battle and they also lost the box. So the enemies... The Philistines captured the ark, and this is 1 Samuel 5, verse 5. (laughs) So this is the earthly home of the presence of God in this era. Yeah, I need to go, verse 1, pardon me. Verse 1, if we can. 1 Samuel 5, verse 1. Awesome. There was a certain man, no, that doesn't look like it. 1 Samuel 5, verse 1. That's it. After the Philistines had captured the ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. 
then they carried the ark into Dagon's temple and set it beside Dagon because people in those days had different gods and they thought, oh, we've just got this god, let's, kind of, let's have a few gods. Okay, next verse. Uh, oh, hang on. Yeah, when the people of Ashdod rose the next day, there was Dagon full on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. They took Dagon and put him back in his place. Let's go. But the following morning when they rose, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. His head and hands were broken off and were lying on the threshold. Only his body remained. See, the presence of God doesn't need a lot of help. The pure presence of the Father will topple any demonic stronghold. Nobody's kind of walked around the temple casting it down or casting them out. Just the presence. The actual presence of God will make any demon fall. Introduce the presence of the Father. All other games are over. No warfare required. Isn't that awesome? It's all this terrible stuff happening in my life. All this terrible stuff happening around us. Well, come Holy Spirit. Let's experience the presence of the Father and let's see what happens. It's guaranteed there's going to be more light at the end than at the beginning. And, And I love this story as well about Obed-Edom in 2 Samuel 6, 11 to 12. So again, same thing, the ark, which is where the presence of God was. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now King David was told, oh, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went down and brought up the ark. He's like, I'm having some of that. You want the presence in your household. David was like, I don't just want it in his household. He put it right in the smack in the center of his kingdom. And blessing flowed out of it because of his devotion to cultivating and honoring the presence of the Lord in the center of everything they did. Isn't that awesome? Just everything in your life starts to get blessed because you have the presence of God in the center of your life. And that's something we get to choose to do. Right? We get, it, he's there and he's available and he's in us, but actually we get to choose to host his presence. He doesn't make us host his presence. Otherwise we would be robots. Say, well, God, if once, God wants to be present in my life, of course he'll be present in my life. No, if you want him to be present in your life, he will be present in your life. You're not a robot. He's not going to force himself where he's not required. That was the whole point of the Garden of Eden. He didn't make robots. He gave people choices. Do you want to eat that fruit or not eat that fruit? If you eat the fruit, it's going to happen this way. If you don't, it'll happen this way. You get to choose. I get to choose every day. I can get up and go, good morning, Holy Spirit, or no, thank you. I'm doing my thing today. I'm not interested in talking to you. I'm having one of those days today. Just go away, Holy Spirit. I'm not interested. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to 
I'm gonna I'm gonna talk funny because that's just what's coming out of my mouth. I'm just gonna talk like this. This is my I'm not interested in you God talk. Now of course I'm a I'm a leader, church leader, so I never have days like that. That never happens to me. Oh Father, forgive me for I have sinned. But the point is, we get to choose, and we get to delight in him of our own volition, and, and invite his presence into our life, and give devotion and time, we get to choose. And you can do it in your job, you can do it on the bus, you can enjoy him everywhere, because he's always with you, he's just looking for a, an opening. He's never left you, it's just sometimes we switch off, okay? So when you get his presence in your life, crazy, wonderful things start to happen. And then Jehoshaphat, we're not going to read the passage, but we've mentioned it a few times in 2 Chronicles 20, is where they send, they're in a big battle against this great load of people. They're enemies. And they call out to God and... God says, I'm going to deal with this for you. So they send the worship band out in front of the army. So there you go, you know, guitar and all the people over there have got spears and bows and arrows and this is the most courageous worship band ever. Yeah, "Yeah, I love you, Jesus. I'm just going to sing at you while you throw your spears at me. Um, And they did that and, and God slaughtered the enemy. And in Psalm 22, David had real revelation about this. It says that God is holy and is enthroned on the praises of his people. That doesn't mean that God is Lord because we praise him. It means that he gets enthroned on the earth in places that people worship him. So they, what they did was they introduced the presence of God to the battlefield and the battle was won. Cool, eh? When Jesus came, he said he was the tabernacle. I mean, he got in trouble for saying, you know, pull this thing down in three days, I'll rebuild it. Because they thought he was talking about the physical temple and he was talking about himself because it no longer longer was a box, it was now a person. And look what happened around him. So he was the the home of the presence on the planet at that point, okay? It was him. He had the spirit beyond measure, it says. And look at all the amazing things that happened around him. So the product of him, he hosted the presence of God, the presence of the Father in his life, better than anybody had to that point on the planet. And the outcome was that people flocked to him. And I actually believe the more the church gets to host the presence the more attractional it will become. It won't be about, and I'm not against having great bands and great lights and great all that stuff, but actually the presence of God doing his thing is the most attractional thing you can ever do. Jesus didn't have to to advertise. Did you notice? He didn't send his disciples out with leaflets to get them people to come to the meeting. He didn't have internet. He didn't have... 
you know, we didn't get lots of Facebook likes. But 5,000 people, well, 5,000 men plus women and children, 10,000 people were on a hillside listening to him. And then he just said, lunch break. And then he goes and gets crucified and raises, gets raised from the dead. And the Bible tells us that we're now the temple of the Holy Spirit, both individually and corporately. We are the dwelling place of God by the Spirit. And in fact, Ephesians 2.22 says that we are being built together. It's talking about the church as a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And, and this is really important that we grasp it. There's something happens corporately that doesn't happen individually. All right, so you host the presence in your life, in your office, on the train, wherever you are. He's with you, he's in you. And you can have more of him experientially than you've had to this point. And more of him can leak out of you into your environment than has done to this point. We've had tons of testimonies like that, and that's going to increase. But also, corporately, we have an identity before him, and he's coming and filling us together. And there's a dimension of his presence that happens together that doesn't happen on your own. And that's one of the reasons we gather, is because we want him to show up. And when he shows up, Dagon falls. When he shows up, blessing breaks out. When he shows up, darkness is changed to light. When he shows up, things around start to shift because the presence of God is irresistible. He's looking for places to come on the earth because then the earth will change. He's looking for places that will welcome him however he comes because he is the solution to all of the problems. There is no problem that won't improve or get fixed by exposing it to more of the presence of the Father. So the church is the tabernacle of a greater glory than they saw in the wilderness. And our greatest asset is not our microphones or our PA systems or our lights or our organization or as much as important as all of that can be. It's his presence. It's him. The early church didn't have any of that. It went around the known world very fast. We're learning something about how massive an impact the presence of the Lord amongst us can have in the community in which we live. Just him showing up here and us being happy with how that looks can change a neighborhood, change a city, change a nation. Well, where's that in the Bible? Well, Acts chapter 2. It says they're all together in one place and they're having a prayer meeting. While they're having a prayer meeting, there's a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Fire comes on their heads. They all start to behave like they're intoxicated, and a crowd gathers. And to cut a long story short, the crowd that gathered start to say, what must we do to be saved? And this is the same crowd that were not that long ago saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Something shifted in that city because God showed up in the church. You're like, wait, what is that in the Bible? I just told you where it is in the Bible. And in fact, it's 
usually more in one, than in one place because Jesus said, I think it's John 16, he said that I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you and when he comes, he's going to convince, when it comes to you, he's going to convince who of sin and righteousness and judgment? Come on, you know your Bible. But if you read carefully, he says, I'm going to send him to you and when he comes to you, he'll convince Part of our challenge has been, there's not been enough of him in us for them that, to get the message. Try these people over here. He said he'll send the Spirit to us. If we receive and respond to and welcome the Holy Spirit well, suddenly the world starts to feel things because we're enjoying God's presence. The world gets convicted of its lack of devotion because we have high levels of devotion. Not because we tell them they should, but because we carry a presence that just goes, leaks out on people. They go, what is it you've got? That's that's Jesus' pattern. And that's what happened in Acts 2. Boom, presence of God comes. The city is awakened, comes to their door. Again, no internet, no advertising. They all show up and 3,000 people... Some of whom were saying crucify him not that long before are now part of the early church. What changed? Holy Spirit came on the church. The 120 received him. So I just want to close with this really that it's we want more of him no matter how it looks. And every time the Holy Spirit has come in power to the church, all through church history, there's always been people who thought it was weird. I'm going to tell you one story. In 1730-something, there was revival happening in the UK, in the east coast of, of what became America, and a part of it started to break out in the middle of Holland. So this is in the era of Wesley and Whitfield, if those of you know bits of church history. In this town in Niekirk in Holland, it started to happen and manifestations, phenomena started to happen. Like they did with Wesley and Whitfield, people fell under the power. It it, it talks about uh, Wesley and his brother walking across the field, getting overcome with holy joy so much they had to go home. If you read the journals, it's all in there. People fell out of trees. People fell down under the power. There's kind of weird and what we would call wacky. And this started to happen in Niekirk, in Holland. And the powers that be, both the government and the church, said we forbid the phenomena. And they had almost no revivals in Holland ever since. So a bunch of people last year got together and had a big meeting in Niekirk and said... We break that agreement. They had Jesus culture and had church leaders and they said, no, we we want God however he wants to come. You've got to want him enough to not care how he comes and how he makes you look when he comes. The church has been scared of God showing up and it's time that we know he loves us enough and tickle us a bit when he shows up yeah. Yeah. or break out in joy that isn't so deep it cannot be fathomed or found 
or whatever he may dream up that he wants to do to let us Sometimes people have said what we're doing is inward looking and we should be more outward looking. I think we're just more upward looking. And the more upward looking you become, the less inward looking you become, and the more that you just flow out. But the upward looking bit is the bit that makes us anxious because. We're like, he's God. Well, he is God, and he is scary. All right? Honestly, he is scary, but he loves you. And he loves you so much that the fear disappears. Because perfect love casts out fears. So I I wonder if we could stand together and just declare together, we're up, we want more of him, however it looks in our life. However it feels, whatever it looks like to our friends or to us, no holds barred. Heavenly Father will will take it all. Now, I'm not saying it has to look weird. I'm just saying, because you may look completely normal and be overwhelmed. But it's also possible that something could happen and you're not looking completely normal and you're overwhelmed. Both are good. But out of a fear of one, let's not miss out. Is, is, that, is that helping? So you need to tell him, I can't do this for you. Remember, we're not robots. We have a choice. We can choose to position our hearts for him to invade us. We can choose to position our affections and say, yes, Lord, I want more of you, however it comes. I know you qualified me. I know there's nothing, there's nothing in my life that can be so wrong that can stop you touching my life. I can't have messed it up enough to make you go away. He's not frightened of you. There's absolutely nothing you could do that can scare him off. Father, we want to commit our hearts to the more. Yeah. Your presence. We yeah. want to commit our community to the more of your presence, God. Yeah. Until the day you give us facilities and beyond that, we want to be yeah. people known that we have for hosting the presence of God more and more and more. Let the yeah. days come where we can't move because of the glory. Yeah. Let the days come, God, where yeah. where you break in so intensely that that, that we can't function yeah. anymore. <laughs> So come Holy Spirit, come and and fill us up, come and help us, come and give us favour, come and give us more faith to receive everything you've got and all you've done for us already, God. Whoa. Declare an end to fear and a new softening of heart, a new thirst, a new desire for the presence of God. And that that is going to result in more changes in our city than we could even imagine or dream of. Because more of God shows up on the planet 
Therefore, lots of Dagons are going to fall and their heads are going to fall off and their arms are going to fall off and make them completely unable to function. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just want to ask you if you have if you have pain in your body, you're carrying sickness today. Would you invite? Pray this prayer with me. Would you invite the Father into your life afresh? And just ask Him to take your sickness away. So you pray something like this. Father, I invite you deeper into my life. I invite your presence. I invite your smile. I invite you, God, into my life right now. And I'm carrying this disease. I'm carrying this issue in my body. And Father, I can't defeat this. Will you take it from me? If you're carrying a, a, a kind of a low mood or a, a heaviness that's been on you for a while, a bit like Ellie was describing, why don't you just ask the Father to take it away? Because that thing's head has already fallen off. The arms have fallen off. It can't hold on to you. Just ask Him to take away anything that feels heavy in your mind, in your emotions, just been dragging yourself a bit through life. Ask the Father to remove it from you. If you felt dry or you felt distant, why don't you just ask Him to take those feelings away and replace them with a sense that He is filling you and He is right there and He is for you because He is. Let, ask Him to let you know what the truth is. Ah. Whatever it looks like, whatever it takes, God, I want more. Invade me, inhabit me. Help me be someone who carries your presence into my day and into my week and into my office and into my school and into any place where I am. People are going to know you're on me and you're in me. Come Holy Spirit more, just receive it more.